Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Hello everyone, this is Liz. This is Nick, we're back again. We're back in the saddle again. No, we want like Backstreet Boys, don't we? Guess who's back? Back again. Who's that? Is that Backstreet Boys? I'm sure it is. I'm too old for the Backstreet Boys. I'm just I'm just young though. <laughs> the key topic this week, really, and I was reminded of that fantastic catchphrase from the inimitable and late Kenny Everett. It's all in the best possible taste. And he had this sort of faux legs which he sort of crossed and uncrossed because he was a very openly gay man. No, I remember that. I remember that. All in the best possible taste. So the only thing I've been thinking about really in the past week, apart from buying my new home, is the Angela Rayner gate. I think that's what everybody's talking about, isn't it? I mean, I I woke up one morning, checked Twitter, and it was just like this explosion. I thought, my God, what's happened? Well, you see, I had, on Sunday after the piece came out, so I'll just tell everyone what the piece was in case you didn't read the mail on Sunday, but to be honest, why didn't you read the mail on Sunday on Sunday is actually a qualification to listening to this podcast. But if you missed it because you were giving birth or you were dead or something, there was a piece in the mail on Sunday saying that a Conservative MP had briefed a journalist saying that Angela Rayner crossed and uncrossed her legs like Sharon Stone, although she was wearing knickers, which put Boris Johnson off his stride. And there was a huge uproar on Twitter and and Angela Rayner was very upset. I think the question Um, is, is Boris Johnson ever on his stride? Well, it's it's actually... Somebody published a a photo and a diagram proving that Boris Johnson's sight line, because of the big table in the middle between them, you couldn't actually see her front bottom. Oh, dear. So the whole thing was a complete anomaly. But anyway, something I did take issue to in the story was this unnamed Tory MP saying that because she went to a comprehensive and she was working class and she used to be a carer and she didn't go to Oxford, she didn't go to Eton... She flashed her front bottom because she couldn't compete with the debating skills of Boris Johnson, which were honed at Oxford or Cambridge or wherever he was shoehorned in due to money. And I really took issue with that because I felt the whole the whole crux of the story or the whole crotch of the story wasn't about sex, it was about class. And... I did go to a high school, but I then went to a polytechnic on the Elephant and Castle to learn how to be a journalist. So I definitely didn't go to Oxbridge. It was never even mentioned I would go to Oxford or Cambridge. I was the first member of my family to go to the United States. 
And I remember I went to the United States in the 80s to interview Bobby Brown and I got a, a message from my dad saying, do you not realise that the Los Angeles is riddled with gang warfare? Oh, bless him. Oh, that's what dads do. He thought I was going to be murdered. So I have something to say about Oxford debating societies and it makes you the creme de la creme and you can defeat anyone with words. I've been asked many times and I've done quite a few times a debate debate at Oxford and debate at Cambridge and I remember getting to Cambridge and waiting in this waiting room and all these young people are all dressed up and there was a picture of Albert Einstein in the room and I thought oh my god I'm in the same room that Albert Einstein was in and I didn't even get a maths O level I didn't do <laughs> physics I just used to warm my hands by the Bunsen burner so that was quite intimidating in a way. So I was intimidated and I was very nervous when I went to Oxford and I went to Cambridge to do the debates. And I remember at Cambridge, I was against Katie Price and we talked about this before and I lost. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but before the debate, before every debate, what many people might not know is you get invited to dinner. So you all sit round this table and you're with people who are sort of 19 and they're all wearing evening dress and you think this is just ridiculous. And I remember the girl next to me who was at Oxford or Cambridge and I told her what I did and she said, oh, I'd, I'd love to work in Fleet Street but, you know, I don't really know that I want to be a political journalist because I wouldn't really take the trolling and and I and I said what I did she said oh no well no one's really interested in fashion anymore or I just get my clothes from Oxfam and this is mummy's dress and how rude and they were rude that's they weren't funny and entertaining I remember sitting to the head of the Oxford Union and he didn't have two words to say to me no funny antidotes no conversation they All they wanted was a fantastic job without much effort. They weren't going to try very hard. And I remember standing up and arguing. I think Rachel Johnson was on my team and she hadn't even bothered to dress up because these posh people, they don't think they have to bother. But anyway, so I'd bothered to dress up. She had a sort of rucksack. <laughs> um, and I stood up and I... <laughs> And I was a bit intimidated and I kept forgetting which way I was arguing. Which way am I arguing? Am I for or against? Oh, okay, I'm for. Okay, I think I'm you for. emailed me a few times and said, which way am I which, arguing? Which way am I going? Which way? It was all about the glass ceiling. So we were talking about the glass ceiling and I looked around at all these posh young women with their rosy cheeks and they didn't bother to wear makeup because they've all been told they're so beautiful from the day they were born. And... I was talking about the glass ceiling and I said, well, actually, women are their own worst enemies in the workplace. And I said to all these Oxbridge people, all these girls, I said, I bet you if I come back in five years, you'll have started your job in a bank, you'll have got married, you'll have left to have two children, you never go back. So what was the point of you being educated here? And all their bristles went up. None of them voted for me, so I lost 400 to one. Yeah, well, you weren't exactly winning friends for that one, were you? But it's true. It's true. I guarantee the majority of those highly educated women would have gone into a career, been shoehorned in because they knew someone, unlike Angela Rayner, who got there on her own hard work and grit, and then they'd have married a posh, rich guy and given up and had children. I guarantee you... That would have been the case. 
So I remember you you left the auditorium and you're all standing around having drinks. And this young woman came up to me and she said, I don't think that's true. You know, you said that we'd all leave and have children, you know, and I don't think women support each other. And I don't think we, you, know, you mentor people. And I said, OK, how many offices have you worked in? So she said, none. I said, OK, I've been in Fleet Street for 35 years. Women do mentor each other. I've mentored women and I have stuck my neck out for them and stood up for them and given them pay rises. They all flaked out. You know, I gave my model booker a huge pay rise. She didn't even say thank you. When I get a pay rise, I say thank you. They go on maternity leave. You never hear from them. They come back and then they have another maternity leave. So I said, until you've been in the workplace for 35 years, you don't know what you're talking about. So I hate these privileged people. I hate them. I hate people who marry to get ahead. I hate people who've got fathers and mothers who get them a job. I hate them. And actually, debating against these young women and seeing how I've stuck at my job. And there was another tweet this week that annoyed me about the NHS. It wasn't all about Angela. And someone said, if you work in the NHS, I work in the NHS, don't go the extra mile, just turn up, leave when your shift ends, because no one's going to think, that's not the attitude. Also, it's the the nature of the job, isn't it? Yeah, the attitude to have is to go above and beyond. And I knew not one of those women in that debate about the glass ceiling would go above and beyond. They were all there for their own vanity, their own ego. It wasn't about the story. It wasn't about changing the world. It was their own privilege so they could chat up some hooray Henry in the bar and say, oh, well, I went to Oxbridge and now I work on the Telegraph and oh, I'm going to get married and have children and I'm not going to work anymore. Bugger off! So well done, Angela Rayner, for getting there on your bootstraps. By your own hard work. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are attractive and sexy... So what? Fine. So what? Why should fine. we hide it? If you know what, if you've got big boobs, you shouldn't have to dress like a nun so that you're not judged on, on having, you know, your, your, your physicality. It's just not acceptable. And actually, yeah, no, I, I, do, I do think some women do use their sexuality to get ahead. And I've had it happen to me at work, you know, the girl with the big boots would sit on the edge of the desk and lean over and giggle at him, and I hate that. But I actually think when she went on Lorraine the next day, she wore a pair of trousers, I thought, no, wear a miniskirt, wear Versace. Wear what you, you bloody know. like. Now, you know me, I'm up for a wolf whistle. In fact, I, you know, I pretty much slide a fiver under the counter for one. When I walk but... past the building site, men tend to vomit. <laughs> well, I have to say, my wolf whistling days are probably well and truly over. But, you know, I'm not against all that. But politics is a really serious issue. And you're talking about a woman that was a single mother, that's worked her way up. She's clawed her way up. She's been a carer. She's been out there in the workforce. She's eloquent. She's smart. Yes, she's attractive. So what? We should be supporting it and we should absolutely say that this misogyny is unacceptable. We cannot talk about women like that. The serious issues going in in politics at the moment. Well, it's not Boris a joke. Said, 
Even Boris said it was misogynistic. And even Boris said, no, we need to root this out. There are so many issues that should be fixed. Well, look at what we've got. We've got people having sex in corridors. We've got people watching porn. We've got, and you're criticising a woman for having the audacity of changing her seated position. I mean, come on. We are not in a playground. This is a government. We've got serious issues to debate. It's not time to muck about. You're all in disgrace. You've all made fools of yourself. Actually, she has spoken well. I'm not talking about politics and Labour Tory or anything like that, but she presents herself well. She's eloquent. She shows up. She answers the questions she's asked. And she deserved better. So how's your week been, Nick, apart from thinking about politicians' front bottoms? (laughs) I can't believe you call it a front bottom. (laughs) I've not heard that for years, front bottom. It's only because I'm only saying that because I watched an amazing documentary, the Imagine. I wish they'd do an Imagine on me. Anyway, it was an Imagine on Miriam Margolis. I love her. And she was talking about her front bottom and her back bottom. I absolutely love her. A legend. Fantastic. She's a legend. She's so funny. She's so quick. She's so sharp. She's absolutely fantastic. You love her in Harry Potter. I love her in everything. I just love her. I think she's brilliant. I the best Graham Norton show was when it was Miriam Margolis with Will I Am. I and love the combination him. of William William Will I Am Will I Am. Willie, I am, and, Ma- and whatever her name is, Miriam. Eminem. <laughs> she said, well, William, have you got any chums? And she, he was just like, he just didn't know what to make of this English oh. person from another century. And it was absolutely the warmth between them. So it does show that you could have amazing connection with two people, generations apart, continents, different colour, different background, because she was quite posh. She was the daughter of a doctor. But if you haven't seen Imagine on her, do watch it, because it's absolutely fantastic. No, I've not seen it. I've not seen it, and I do love her. Well, I've been reading um, a book out today called A Tidy Ending by Joanna Cannon. Is it about one of my extreme bikini waxes? It is not. It's not that tidy. Um, and, and I've never read anything by Joanna before, but I do follow her on Twitter. And what I loved right from the beginning, the first thing I loved is the dedication page is made out to her dog Aww. that died. She loved her dog, Seth, that died. And any of us that have lost their pets can relate to that, but that's who the book's dedicated. So it, I only got to the dedication page. My I thought, I love book, it. book, which I did for charity, was dedicated to Snoopy. Yeah. And Snoopy was named after Snoop Doggy Dog. I was an early rap fan. We all love that. He has revolutionised Just Eat. I watched the adverts because he's so fantastic. I wouldn't order Just Eat. Now, I don't agree with ordering food. What do you mean you don't agree with it? I, I don't. don't. I don't like hot drinks in the afternoon. That's a sign of laziness. And I don't agree with ordering food. It's lazy. I'm sorry, but if someone brings me food, I'm happy. I don't care how it, how it materialises onto my plate in front of me. So anyway, so this book is about a woman and she's got a secret in her past and she's now married and living What's a suburban secret? life. Well, we don't know. This is This is the one thing I really liked about the book is you learn at the end, but throughout the whole book, you don't really know what this secret is, why she's had to move from Wales. 
and she tries to make friends and she's she's really socially inept and it reminds me of the maid which i reviewed about oh, a couple of months ago where the lead character was autistic she really couldn't relate to Is other people no she's not autistic but she's got that sort of social ineptitude that make relationships difficult for her and the, the book actually glows because the central character is so unusual she's she, the, all the characters are really good but you're kept in the dark to the to the end and you're very successfully taken up the garden path is back it a round. bit is it a bit like a history of tractors in ukrainian that's a very unusual author no, nothing. Have you ever read that? No. I remember I sent a very no. posh... Well, she wasn't posh, actually. She was chippy. I sent a young female journalist... Chippy. Well, she wasn't that young. She was just a bit younger than me, but she thought she was younger. But she'd been to Oxford or somewhere. I sent her to interview the author of A Short History of Tractors in Ukrainian. It's about Ukraine, so it's topical. Right. It, well, no, yeah, I get that. A Not History of Tractors in Ukrainian. Very award-winning book. Right. And this Oxford-educated journalist said to me on the phone, do I have to? The book's really long. <laughs> That's the wrong attitude. I love a long book. You can immerse yourself. Attitude. Do I have to go and interview her? The book's really long. Well, it's a job's worth, but we'll be getting on to job's worth later. So this, this book... She's not just a job's worth, that journalist. She's a sworn enemy. Oh, okay. I can see the battle line being drawn across the desk. Liz's face has got that no look on her face. Awful, duplicitous. <laughs> right, back to this book. It's what's the thrilling element? Is anyone killed? Yes, there's murders. It's it's a it's a mystery. There's lots of twists and turns. I'll tell you now. It's not a book you can skim read. There are no empty lines. Every part of the book you need to read to keep up with. I was getting tired. I was reading at three o'clock in the morning. I was getting tired and I was sort of starting to skim it a bit and then thought, you can't do this with this book. I had to go back and read it because I'd missed something I needed to know. So as you would say, there's no baggy lines. We've talked about no, baggy see, lines at the before. Daily Mail, you're not allowed baggy lines. No. If you've got a boring paragraph, people will turn over. No, there's no baggy lines. It's really well written. There's some fabulous lines, some really good paragraphs. She builds the characters really well. And she's I'd say she's very gifted with her descriptions. I really liked the way she described things. Well yeah, she likes dogs. I mean, she's a possibility, but she's not Darren Brown. I'm still sticking with Darren Brown. But like you, I'm not very keen on people. And and this week, I'm really not keen on people. I'm really, really, really not keen What's on happened? people. Have you been slighted? No, it's jobsworths. I don't use that word very often. I hate jobsworths. But I have to say, this week, there has been a number of occasions, quite a few actually, where I phoned up to Chase things like getting a book for you that hasn't been sent yet. Did you say, do you know who she is? I, I didn't know. I said, do you know who I am? <laughs> I'm trying that one. And then they just go, no. Um, you know, and, and I wanted an update on something else that I was involved with, that I was heavily involved with, and I wanted an update. And every single one of them turned around and said, well, I've passed this on to so-and-so. This is her email. Contact her about it. No. <sighs> No, I 
was dealing with you, you've passed it on, you bloody well contact her and then you find out the information and get back to me. No, I hate it when you phone a bank or oh. someone and, and I say, well, I phoned you last week and you said, she said, well, no, it wasn't me because I was on holiday in Ibiza last week. I said, no, when I say you, I mean your company. I don't mean you. You're just a cog in a wheel. Well, I think you're being very rude to me, she said. I just, I just think if you are someone's contact and you're dealing with them, you should retain ownership of what you're talking about. So even if you go off to another department to get something to, done for you, you shouldn't say then, oh, well... Did you, you lose your temper? I, did, I, I was very close to it because at one point I was passed to one person, I emailed them, who then passed me to another person and I emailed them. And I ended up emailing four people to find out what was going on when really, as far as I'm concerned, the person I originally spoke to should have said, I don't know... I've passed it up, but I'm going to go and find out and I'll get back to you. That is what she should have done. So I am well, absolutely you fed rem- up this You week. will remember, Nicola, if you can cast your mind back. Da, da, da. I used to have a column on exactly this subject. You did. You were Jones Moans. Jones Moans. And the heading was Jones Moans. It was in the Daily Mail. And this is the column from January 2012 when I was very cross. What would I call mine? Nicola's Nasties? Or, I mean, Jones Moans works, doesn't it? I don't know what I call mine. I was born to moan. You was born to moan. So this is from January 2012. It was a very, very, very funny column in the Daily Mail, which should be resurrected, really. My most important New Year's resolution, if only to preserve my sanity, to stop having pointless arguments with robots on the phone. Do you know, I often say to people, are you a robot? Well, I love the people that can't do anything but quote from from the, the manual. On January the 3rd, this is very important, you see, I phoned the Urban Retreat Spa on the top of Harrods. I'm calm. I take a deep breath. Good morning. I would like to change an appointment. Oh, yes. How can I help? Well, my name is Jones, J-O-N-E-S. Telephone number ending 944. I've got two blocks of appointments. The first starts at midday on the 9th, the second at 10am on the 10th. I'd like to move the hair appointment to the 9th, tacked on to the other end of the other everlasting gel pedicure. I just need to be out of there at midday on the 10th. That's clear, isn't it? That's crystal. Crystal. Do you know what she said? Is your telephone number oh. 07 star 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 nine double four? Yes. I said it ended in 944 and I said what my name was to save time rather than reading out the whole number. But no matter, carry on. I'll just put you through to someone who can help. Uh-huh. Ah, I thought she said she could help. Calm. Another woman picks up the phone. Urban Retreat, how can I help you? And so Um, it begins again. Did the previous woman not hand over telling you my details? No, I've just picked up the phone. Who did you speak to? Well, I didn't take her name because the conversation seemed to be going so well. I don't know her name. Why when I book a hair appointment, you say, who do you normally see? I don't even know the names of my nieces and nephews, let alone who last did my hair. Do you want to explain your problem to me? Not really. Not What's again. What's the point of that? Why didn't she stop me mid-flow? And why didn't you apologise for a colleague not handing over to you properly? I don't have to say sorry for anything, she said. That wasn't me. 
Oh, but you represent the company, don't you? You represent who you work for. Listen to the next award-winning line. Go on. Deliver but you it. both work for the same organisation. I'm a customer. Okay, do you want to tell me what you want to do? I tell her. Let me call it up on the computer. What's your telephone number? <laughs> Four years later, she calls me back. Was it the hair you wanted to move back a day? <laughs> yes. Did you not jot down my needs using a pencil and a pad? No, I have to type it into the computer. Oh, you're supposed to be a spa, but you're making me stressed. <laughs> and computer said no. No, no, it's just it's just beyond a joke. We really need people that can think for themselves. I can't phone people anymore. I normally get Nick to do it because I get so angry. Yeah, but I'm turning and I don't into you. Think, I'm I don't angry. think men get as angry on the phone as women do because I used to get my husband, I used to try and give him things to do to, so he had a purpose for living. And I said, well, why don't you phone the gas board and ask for a, an up-to-date bill? And I'd hear him and he'd go, hello, is that the gas board? Mm. Oh, no, that's okay. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. And I'm like, I told you to rip their heads off. I'm always really polite because it is some poor bugger on the phone, you know. That's it's not the pol company policies, aren't they? But, but I they do don't try, care. but I do want them to take accountability. I do. I do want them to recognise that they work for that company and they need to respond and not just pass it on and then forget that I exist. Just not acceptable. I was trying to look at a property online, and and then this thing springs up. Oh, you want? Do you want to chat? Do you want to chat? So I asked her a simple question. She didn't know the answer. I said, well, if you don't know the answer to that question, you're not you're, you, you're not even a robot. What are you? What's the point of you? Oh, don't start me on that when you actually get, have to do these little chat things and you're just on this bot thing and it just goes round and round in circles and all you're They're doing is people. screaming. They're not people. No, but you're screaming at the screen, I want to speak to a human. I want to speak to somebody that can respond to me. And it just goes in so the Hermes, only, no, the Hermes. only the only time no. The Ooh. only time I got on well with a robot was when I was phoning and trying to order a, an iPhone for my ex at Christmas because he didn't have a phone. I thought, well if he died, no one would know. And I did actually get a very sensitive robot who said actually to get that lovely thousand-pound phone and all the accessories, he's very lucky to have you. Well, that, yeah, that, that that's fine. See? That's well programmed. It's all in the programming, Jones. It's all about how you program them. You can read this week's diary in full on the Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Do you want to hear about this week's column? Yeah, let's go. Let's go current. Because you were in a good mood last week, weren't you? Things were going well. You was on the positivity no, I'm train. Still in a good mood. That's what I mean. It's, we're rolling with it. The heading is in which I realise I am good enough, and there's a picture of me in tights and ballet flats. It's Friday morning, and I'm in Studio Twelve at the Pineapple Dance Studios in Covent Garden. I'm here for a shoot for work, but though I'm early. Do you know the reason I'm always early? You're always early. Because the legendary Daily Mail columnist, Linda Lee Potter, always turned up an hour before an interview and she sat in her car down the road. I've got time to reminisce. There's plinky-plonky music coming from the studio next door. 
Girls running around in tights and arm warmers and leg warmers. That strange evocative smell of old sweat. Mirrors everywhere. When I used to come here three, four times a week for most of the 1980s, Pilates was on the top floor, body conditioning was on the ground floor. I had a rule never to look up at my own reflection. This worked. It gave me the illusion I was better than I am. I hated myself so profoundly, I even told my body conditioning teacher a different name. I said I was called Libby. I didn't want to be Liz. I still don't. Unfortunately, my rule of never looking up in the full-length mirror was broken one day when I caught a glimpse by accident. A stick figure in pink tights, pink ballet slitters, back leotard. I was so shocked I looked so thin that I booked to see my GP the next day. He prescribed me steroids, which distorted my body. So I continued to punish it when I should have relished being young. You know, I had young hair. I had young feet. I had young everything. That's what happens when you're young. No one told me I was beautiful or talented or even a nice person, so I believed I was hideous. The makeup artist arrives for the shoot. You have a good neck, she says. You actually you still have a good neck. Well, that was only two weeks ago, Nick. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying it's not deteriorated in the last two weeks. It was only two weeks ago. <laughs> well, you do. Keep up. You, no, you keep do. up. A lot can happen in two weeks in my We're world. We're back in the present tense. <laughs> a lot can happen. You have a great neck. But then she said, is that an eyebrow tattoo? What a bitch. Oh, dear. She had to spoil it, didn't she? I said, no, it's not. It costs £6,000. It's an eyebrow transplant, honestly. She brought hair pieces, as I imagine she found out I've lost so much of my hair by Googling me. When you're young with zero self-esteem, a single sentence can derail you. Aged 11, it was the sister saying, do you know how many calories are in toast and marmalade? Age 19, which is when I moved to London, Pamela Dillman, a beautiful American student at RADA, looked me up and down and said, you should do Pilates. I go to the place on Euston Road. You see, just one sentence. I duly started going to the Euston Road every week, despite the fact the changing rooms were infested with cockroaches. (laughs) I became so addicted to exercise, it became the only thing people remember about me. At my sister-in-law's funeral in Edinburgh a few years ago, her friend said, Oh, we remember you, Liz. He used to run around Leith Links whenever you came to stay. What's Leith Links? It's a part of Edinburgh. Oh, okay. <laughs> my mum was always disappointed that home for the holidays, I would miss get-togethers and Christmas dinner because I was compelled to run up and down hills instead. Age 25, I moved out of London to a cottage in Saffron Walden with my sister. Classes after work meant I never got home until 11pm. Exercise classes after work. Yeah. Even today, the closing theme tune of EastEnders brings back memories of running down the studio stairs in ballet slippers, past the telly in reception, worried I'd miss my train. My sister hated me exercising in the lounge to my Michael Jackson mixtape. Ow! (laughs) She was a nurse on night shifts, so I hired a studio on the high street. The owners thought this was odd. Are you a dancer, they asked. No, it wasn't about dance or even enjoyment. It was about trying to flatten my tummy, erase the pad of fat on my knees, which made them look knobbly. 
I've never allowed a man to see me naked. I feel too hideous with my collapsed old lady buttocks and bingo wings that no amount of exercise will shift. We're back in the present now, Nick. Do you understand? I do, but I've seen you in your and that leotard that was hiked up to your waist. You have not got lady buttocks. So we'll get into that. I'm putting my oar in. The photographer tells me he's ready for my close-up. I smile, if only to lift the hammocks at the side of my mouth. A friend knows I'm on a shoot, so I break the habit of a lifetime and I sidle over to look at the images on the photographer's laptop. I take a photo, press send. You look like a Miss World contestant, she replied. If only I'd known her when I was 11. If only I could have bumped into my 25-year-old self hurrying home from Covent Garden and told her she was good enough. And isn't that the thing, isn't it? If only we had hindsight, or if only people were nicer and more supportive. If only people were nicer to me in my 20s, I wouldn't have been a basket You case. need one of these, look. Look. What is that? It's on my key. I've got a thing on my key ring. Look. So every time I get my keys out, I've got a little silver thing that says I am enough. But you're not, though. Well, I try to be. <laughs> <laughs> Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. Come on, letters. Right. Do you want to know what's been said? You have had so much support. Uh, people were really, really pleased about you getting your mortgage and looking for a house. And they were just really chuffed for you. So we had Lindy Lou They're eight, so sweet, aren't they? Yeah, who commented online on your column and said, Oh, Liz, I'm really pleased for you. I hope you find what you're looking for. Owning your own home will give you a sense of security, which renting never does. Good luck. And Be Tolerant said, good for you. Onwards and upwards, may you find a lovely place to call home and be healthy and happy there. But Be Tolerant can't be her real name. No, it's... Unless her parents had a sense of humour. I, I, to be fair, I've known some people with names where they really did need a sense of humour. I'm not going to repeat me because <laughs> it's not repeatable, but... We've also got Rita Gallagher-Jones who says, just read your latest column and I realised I open right move at least once a week and trying to decide where to move to. I'm an Essex girl like you, but have lived in so many places, now widowed, and I don't know where to go, even though I own a house. Downsizing costs more than moving. So she's she's having the same thing. She's looking as well. So it's all exciting, isn't it? Cheer up, Rita. Come and live cheer up here. Up, cheer up. You, you can do it. And then we had... We had a lovely student, didn't we? We had a lovely student. She's written an essay about me. Well, she wrote in, didn't she, and asked you for a quote for a And her lecturer thesis. was very impressed that she got a quote from me, and she got a first. She did. She says, hey, Liz, how are you? Wanted to update you about my essay that I wrote on you. I got a first, so congratulations. Thank you so much again for giving me a direct quote. My lecturer has not stopped going on about it since. Oh, isn't that nice? She enjoyed uh, your article on breast augmentations and the ever-changing body trends give her whiplash. She says you're a great read. Do you know the first person 
as a journalism student, I ever got a quote from? Go on. Guess. It's like that... Um, okay. What's that comedian called? I don't know. Catherine Tate. Go on, guess. No, go on, guess. All right, then. Shall I guess so? Um, Catherine Hepburn. Do I look that old? You're always going on my fetus, so I went a bit older. <laughs> Prince Charles. Prince Charles. No. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.